Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture, and thank you so much for joining us. Hope you had a great holiday weekend, a wonderful Easter. Hope the weather was as good where you are as where it was the way it was for me here in central Illinois. I mean, we were near 80 degrees, sunny, and just the kind of weather you always hope for on Easter, but it seems like so seldom we get it. (laughs) But we had it here, and I hope you did as well. Planters are starting to roll. I mean, spring is busting out all over the place. We're going to talk weather with DTN here on our program today to get an idea what kind of a window do we have here early on in this planting season. We're also going to talk with Steve Sinsky, CEO of the American Soybean Association. We'll talk about some of the uh, climate policies that are being proposed and opportunities for things like biodiesel. That's all coming up on our program. And Matt Bennett with agmarket.net will join us. We'll talk markets, more reaction to the big uh, USDA report last week. Also uh, get a kind of a uh, look at around east central Illinois where he's at about field work that's going on there. So lots to talk about as we kick off a new week and we're happy to start it off with Sarah Wyatt, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Hope you had a good Easter. We did have a great Easter, and it was perfect weather. We're back in Missouri and had a wonderful church service in person for a change, and uh, also got to go do some Easter egg hunting with the granddaughter, so we couldn't get much better than that. Wow, that's great. Yeah, to be back in church for Easter. Now, our church has been back open for a while with social distancing and, and masks and all, but at least back. But I was thinking back a year ago when churches, many of them, including ours, close so it was just great to be back and among your friends and relatives and and back in church on easter what a big step back from where we were a year ago well absolutely you know and i think these vaccinations are making a big difference in everyone's attitude still a lot of social distancing and face masks on a lot of folks but um for the most part people are, are ready to be out especially to be able to worship yeah, I guess it's, the way to describe it, it's a step forward to get back to where we were. So uh, that's kind of where we're at. Each day seems to be a, a little better. So we keep moving. We know it's not over yet, the pandemic, but we're we're getting there. We're getting through it. All right. Well, lots to talk about with um, the infrastructure proposal that is out there now and already getting some... Um, you know, mixed reviews, to say the least, and also concerns about how to pay for it. And there are a lot of tax proposals out there, some attached to the infrastructure bill, others separate from it. But overall, uh, more and more, Sarah, we got to, I think, take a look at the spending bills while welcome when people are getting checks. But at some point, you got to pay for all this. Well, absolutely. Those are going to come home to roost on all of us. It's a, a huge spending that's been going on. Uh, and I, I think that this is a wonderful time for all your listeners, Mike, to check out the district work schedule for each of their members of Congress and, and uh, their Senate schedules and take some time to talk to your elected representatives about your feelings about this infrastructure package. The one that's been rolled out here in the last week or so is $2.25 trillion. Uh, there's another piece of that that's going to be about equally as big coming a little later uh, in this 
first one has all sorts of things in it uh, having to do with roads and bridges and broadband, but also a lot of other things that people might not normally think are part of infrastructure. And the pay for on that is to increase the corporate income tax from 21 to 28%. Now, maybe that doesn't sound too big for some folks, but as you know, we had a rollback on taxes and we don't we don't know if this is going to also affect S-Corps uh, and uh, how a lot of farm businesses might be organized, LLCs. We don't know the extent of really you know, the, the details on how taxes are going to be applied for everybody. But as you've got an economy that's been so very much stalled related to the pandemic, um, I think people would like to see uh, increased stimulus uh, going towards helping those businesses turn around. And it's not really clear how these tax provisions would hit some of those most, uh, you know, the, the businesses that have been suffering the most. So I think this is the time to be talking and expressing concerns to all your elected officials. I said last week, always beware when a spending program is being uh, rolled out and you're told that it'll be paid for by taxing the rich. Always be careful because that sounds good because you don't think of yourself as being in that rich category. But by the time they're done defining and redefining, all of a sudden it gets back to you somehow, some way usually. So be, just be wary. You're not just going to get something because somebody else is going to pay for it. Yeah, that's good advice. It usually comes and then does impact people. And even if it's not, you know, you personally with a tax rate that's going to see the increase, um, you could have increased cost of goods. You could have, you know, some of these things are going to be climate related. And so to the extent that inputs in agriculture become more expensive because there are increased regulatory costs, there's always something out there that you have to be watchful for. And while the infrastructure improvements are certainly needed and something agriculture has been calling for, uh, also agriculture finds itself back to defending things like uh, step-up bases and, and uh, trying to do away with the estate tax and, and things like that. I mean, these are old battles that are coming back. Yeah, it's not clear how those might be applied, but certainly during the campaign, uh, then uh, candidate Biden expressed an interest in removing stepped-up basis and also eliminating the changes that had been made on the estate taxes. And as someone who's just been through this with my family over the last couple of years, I can just tell you personally the impact of stepped-up basis. It has been so very helpful in helping to reduce the amount of money that you have to pay in order to uh, have any kind of assets passed down from family to family. Now, you know, ours wasn't a big estate, but still uh, it enabled us to be able to minimize those uh, those tax burdens because so many farm families have been held for, you know, 80, 90 years. Uh, and, and those assets have, uh, especially farmland, has appreciated so much since then. So those are some of the things looming. Uh, and again, it's going to be interesting to see how it makes its way through Congress, although with one party in control, there's more of a chance of it actually getting through, even if the other side doesn't uh, doesn't agree with it. Well, that's true, because as we reported in our daybreak today, you know, you've got some moderate Democrats who could hold this whole thing up, but even they're saying that reconciliation, which is a tool that can enable the Democrats only to move this package, is something that's on the table. And so if they use budget reconciliation again, then, uh, you know, 
there won't be a, a bipartisan process here. It, it will move through. But you're right. Agriculture does need infrastructure investments. Uh, someone who just go from California to Missouri, I can tell you, we have a lot of bad roads. <laughs> I can tell you where they're yeah. at. Um, but ports and bridges, all those things do need investments. And certainly in our biofuels infrastructure, we need more investment there. Yeah, we need an infrastructure bill that targets infrastructure. That's, I think that's what people are wanting. All right, Sarah, good to talk with you again. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. Have a great week. Sarah Wyatt, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Up next, we check the weather as field work is underway, planters starting to roll. What kind of a window do we have here in early April? We'll talk about it next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel diesel that doesn't mess around. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system, from global market access to local expertise. We'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready. And health insurance is your financial safety net. 
If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is $35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Field work underway, many places, planting getting started. What kind of weather window do we have here? Let's talk it over with John Baranek with DTN. He's sitting in for Bryce Anderson this week. John, thanks for joining us. Uh, what kind of weather do we have this week ahead? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Mike. Uh, it looks like we're actually going to be a little bit on the wetter side of normal here. Uh, several systems are going to be passing through uh, the northern plains through the Midwest this week. And um, honestly, it's going to be a high-pressure system over the East Coast that's going to kind of create a log jam uh, in the upper atmosphere. And these systems are going to kind of just get into the Midwest and kind of stall or, or move up into Canada. So we're going to have some pretty good uh, periods of rainfall here over the next week. Heavy rains? Uh, more like moderate to rain, moderate rains. Uh, some of these are going to contain thunderstorms. So anywhere, anywhere thunderstorms happen, you can you can count on some heavy rain, right? So uh, we'll have we'll have some pockets there of some, of some heavier rain. But I think for the most part, we're looking at a widespread uh, inch, inch and a half across a, a good portion of Midwest and Eastern Plains. Uh, there'll be some pockets, especially in Minnesota, Wisconsin, maybe Northwest Iowa too, where there's still some drought going on where we could see closer to two, three inches kind of on a widespread basis. And then, uh, seeing some isolated amounts more than that. Well, that's that time of year. You have mixed feelings. Uh, you, when field work gets rolling, you like to keep going, but a, a lot of these areas, uh, need, precipitation need moisture as you pointed out what about the that area of the dakotas that has been so dry they're going to get any rain uh unfortunately it looks like it not um yeah really it's the western half of north dakota and, and portions of northern south dakota there that have just have just been missing out on everything you know we had some really good rain that moved through the plains and midwest uh in march and those moved just right around the dakotas so they didn't really get much of that and really it doesn't look like that's going to change uh, in the in the near term here, they may be get, getting some chances for rain, but it's nothing that's going to be drought busting up there at all. Hmm. What about temperatures? We've had some very uh, mild temperatures uh, this past week. Uh, what about looking this week ahead? Yeah, I mean it was great. I mean I I, I think everybody I, everything on Facebook, everybody's outside playing. It was it was great, uh, especially if you're going to do some field work too. Uh, it'd be, it was a great weekend to do it. Uh, this week, not too bad. Uh, the warm temperatures are going to continue. That, that, that ridge of high pressure doesn't really move off to the east until later this week. So uh, at least for the next several days here, we'll, we'll continue to have really, really warm temperatures. Uh, it'll come with some breezy winds too, especially over the plains, so we could see uh, some of that drying out some topsoils around there. Uh, but the, the, the temperatures, at least for this week, look to be above normal. It'll be next week when we, when we kind of get that, that high pressure to move off to the east just a little bit further that we may see some drainage into the plains and into the western Midwest of some cooler temperatures, but nothing that would be um, overly concerning, uh, nothing like we saw in February, of course. Talking with DTN meteorologist John Baranek. All right, John, what is your forecast uh, throughout the month of April? Let's look a little further out. How's, how does the month look? 
Sure. So for the rest of the month, I think for the most part, uh, the country is going to be warm. Uh, that's not really going to change. Um, you know, we, we might have some, you know, like I said, some cooler temperatures kind of leak into the plains. But for the most part, the, the, the month is going to be well above normal for, for most of the country here. Um, but luckily, I think we're going to get some uh, precipitation um, into the, the western plains here. Uh, a couple more systems kind of move out. We'll see an increase in severe weather as well. Uh, and that should kind of lead through um, storm systems kind of moving through the western Great Lakes too. So we'll see some increased rainfall there. Uh, for, the, for the eastern Midwest, uh, down into the, the Delta region, kind of southeastern plains, we'll see periods of rainfall move through. But I think overall uh, it'll be a little bit below normal. Um, at least that's what our, our models and, and our experience are telling us. Uh, so we'll probably have some good uh, stretches of drier weather in here and that'll, that'll, that'll lead to some better field work conditions. Let's look even further. Are you concerned about uh, dry patterns this summer? This summer. So this summer is going to be very interesting. Uh, what we, and it kind of leads to uh, from, from what's happening in the equatorial Pacific with La Nina. You know, we've been talking about that for months and months now. Um, but what we've seen uh, last week, um, the Bureau of Meteorology in Australia put an end to it. They, they finally they, um, you know, said it was over. And, and really the, uh, the temperatures there have been warming quite a bit here over the past couple of months. So um, really we're in kind of this neutral phase of, of El Nino or La Nina. And that really doesn't give us a really good headway onto what to expect uh, going into the um, late spring and summer season. So a lot of this has to deal with some more sub-seasonal effects, things like uh, thunderstorm clusters that are going on in the tropics or local soil moisture and stuff like that. So we'll see a lot of local effects kind of going on uh, that will have large influences on the weather. That being said, I don't think there's any real reason to expect any w real wet conditions going on in the plains. Um, but as uh, far as uh, some models and, and some um, past years, it looks like we'll get some pretty good rainfall over the, at least the eastern Midwest and into the, into the mid-Atlantic uh, for this summertime, uh, late spring. Um, otherwise, in the, in the rest of the Corn Belt there, we're kind of, kind of in between things, and it's really hard to predict uh, just based on La Nina kind of going away. Uh, we've already had some severe weather around the country. Can, can we tell? I mean, are there any indications it's going to be a more active storm uh, season this spring? We believe so. So uh, one of the things that really creates severe weather is, is a contrast between cold and, and hot temperatures, uh, either at the surface or in the upper atmosphere. And what we've been seeing is, you know, how we're, we're seeing that the warm temperatures now we're seeing colder temperatures starting to build back up into um, western Canada and Alaska and kind of will be leaking down into the Pacific Northwest. And that kind of zone will set up through the middle of the country. Uh, that will give us some pretty good uh, at least chances and conditions that would be right for severe weather um, through the central plains all the way through the Midwest and into the east coast as well. So be alert to that, certainly. Uh, all right, let's look down to South America. We've been monitoring that as far as their soybean harvest and their uh, their corn plantings. Uh, let's look at Brazil and Argentina. What's going on there? 
Yeah, Central Brazil, they've been real dry lately. Um, you know, they had a pretty good uh, January, February, early March with rainfall, and they just kind of shut off there for a couple weeks. Uh, they got some sh uh, showers over the weekend, and that will continue through the front half of this week. But then it looks like it's going to dry out again. So uh, they had really good soil moisture going into, uh, into March, and, you know, they've kind of eaten into a little bit of that, which is going to be a little bit difficult here for safrina corn, uh, especially from Matagrosso eastward um, as we get into pollination here in the next month as, and we're running into the dry season. You know, they, they planted a little bit late because they were forced to, and uh, unfortunately it looks like the dry season is a little bit on the early side too. So um, we're going to put some stresses on that safrina corn in Brazil. What about Argentina? In Argentina here, um, we've got a, a system moving um, through later this week and into the weekend. It's going to bring quite a bit of rainfall. It looks like a good two to three inches across much of Argentina. Uh, so it's really going to be you know, impacting harvest conditions down there. We may even see some quality issues with the green uh, coming out of it. Um, and, but, the, yeah, delays for sure uh, with, the, with the corn and soybean harvest going on down there. Anything else around the world in key production areas that could impact uh, uh, production and markets eventually? Um, nothing that's overly concerning. There is a nice blast of cold air that's moving into the uh, into Europe uh, this week. It's going to slow winter wheat um, uh, growth here for at least the next week. Um, but we may see some frost damage out of that too. Just how how widespread that will be is is kind of iffy. So it may have a small impact on markets, but it may have some impact. All right. Well, John, we thank you for filling in. So it sounds like uh, for those that are getting the, out there and getting uh, planting started, uh, they may run into a few delays uh, later this week, sounds like, though. Yeah, a few, few delays uh, this week. Uh, next week, we, we quiet down a little bit more. Okay. Thanks for sitting in for Bryce. We appreciate it. Welcome. Thanks, Mike. Take care. John Baranek, DTM meteorologist, sitting in for Bryce Anderson. So uh, chances of uh, precipitation moving in. And again, one of those kind of a mixed feelings type of thing. You like to keep rolling once the field work starts. But uh, on the other hand, you know you're going to need that moisture. And in many places, needing it even right now. So uh, can't uh, complain too much about getting some moisture here early season. All right. Coming up next, we're going to talk with the uh, CEO of the American Soybean Association. Steve Sinsky will join us. Get his thoughts on these climate proposals and policies that are being uh, proposed right now. Uh, uh, how these programs might impact agriculture. Certainly might open the door for more biodiesel use. We'll talk about that and uh, much more. And concerns agriculture will have over some of the tax proposals that are out there as well. So all that coming up next with the CEO of the American Soybean Association right here on AOA. Stay with us. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free 
and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. We hope the USDA numbers would have moved prices out of their trading ranges as traders adjusted to new fundamentals that does not seem to have happened. Wheat continues to trade well below the green line, but so far is holding within last week's price range. Corn and bean prices immediately rallied following the smaller-than-expected acreage estimates, but Thursday's corn and bean prices dropped right back down to the green line 20-day moving average. Today, we are seeing higher prices across the board with strong gains in soybean futures. On the Board of Trade, May soybeans trading 13 and a half cent higher at 14.15 and a half cent. The July contract up 13 and three quarters at 14.10 and a half cent. For corn, the May contract trading a penny and a fraction higher at 5.61. The July contract up a penny at 5.46 and a fraction. For wheats, the Chicago wheat May contract trading nine cents higher at 6.20. Kansas City wheat May up four cents at 569 Minneapolis spring wheat may trading six and a fraction higher at 605 and three quarters the July contract up six and a fraction at 615 and a fraction beef demand is waking up with box beef prices showing exceptional strength restaurant traffic is improving as consumers feel more confident dining out hog prices continue to escalate supported by strong domestic and international demand on the Board of Trade, April lean hogs trading 52 cents higher at 102.30. The May contract trading 65 cents higher at 103.47. For feeder cattle, the April contract trading $2.32 higher at 146.20. The May contract up 2.47 at 151.70. For live cattle, the April contract up $1.32 at 121.35. The June contract up $1.30 at 123.85. Outside markets are trending higher. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. 
Always good to talk with Steve Sinsky, CEO of the American Soybean Association. He joins us now. Steve, thanks for being with us. Hope you had a good Easter. Sure did, and it's beautiful here. Springtime is here in St. Louis, but great to be with you, Mike. Well, let's talk about some of the things that are being uh, proposed right now. The Biden administration pushing an infrastructure package that uh, has a lot in it besides infrastructure. But uh, obviously, agriculture has long pushed for infrastructure improvements. But yet there's the price tag and the pay-fors and how it's paid for. Uh, How do you react to this uh, proposal from an agricultural standpoint? Well, we at the American Soybean Association haven't taken an official position on it for some of those reasons that you just touched upon, some of the non-infrastructure portions, the, the, the how do you pay for it, and we're watching that closely. But in terms of the actual infrastructure investments, there's a lot of elements in it that, that to like and that, that we really like, and that's including the investments in roads and bridges and inland waterways and ports, broadband, rural drinking water and wastewater treatment. There's just a lot of elements in there that, frankly, could be transformative for, for our agriculture sector and for rural America. Yeah, if if they could just target it to, towards those things, it would seem to be very, uh, there'd be a lot of support for it. But does agriculture find itself coming to a real crossroads here uh, in wanting some of these things, but yet uh, if it's going to have increases in corporate taxes, which comes down to small farms in many cases, uh, if we get to having the issues over step-up bases and estate taxes again, uh, isn't that going to put the agriculture in a real tough spot on some of these things? Uh, you put your finger on it, Mike. It, it really will. I think, you know, we do want those investments, uh, and they're needed. Uh, you know, anyone that anyone knows that, uh, you know, our, we have so many structurally uh, deficient bridges in rural areas, and this package would it would invest uh, $115 billion in roads and bridges, targeting around the 10,000 of the smallest or the worst bridges, um, you know, we want, we've been advocating for a long, long time that infrastructure in terms of the inland waterways and ports, and this plan would, you know, propose to $17 billion, uh, to be invested in inland waterways and ports. Uh, and so there are some really great elements there. I think it's a long process. And so I think that's why you have seen uh, a lot of us, uh, including the American Soybean Association, endorsing and highlighting the things we like, but we're pretty cautious on, you know, exactly how it's going to be paid for. I mean, if you talk about eliminating stepped-up basis, um, you know, I think that's really, that's a non-starter. That's a non-starter for both us as well as, as many others. Now, that wasn't proposed. This was proposed uh, by by the administration to be an increase in the corporate tax rate, which also can be of concern. But I, I would say this is the beginning of a long legislative process, so we will see what happens. Talking with Steve Sinsky, CEO of the American Soybean Association. Some of the climate proposals that are out there, Steve, um, there, there are a lot of questions about how it's going to benefit agriculture will there be revenue streams available or not even tom vilsack uh, talking about hey the way it's set up now agriculture can't really take full advantage of it there, there needs to be kind of markets built around agriculture and and we'll see where that goes but it does seem to maybe be opening some doors for biodiesel would you agree 
Absolutely, and we think that biodiesel can play a big part uh, in any kind of climate change sustainability push uh, because it is a readily available fuel that's right there and that can make, um, you know, an 80% plus reduction in greenhouse gas emissions by using biodiesel or renewable diesel. Uh, and so, so one can make a lot of progress there. That's a message that we've been sending to the Biden administration, not only to, to Secretary Vilsack, but also to EPA Administrator Michael Regan as well. Uh, he's made some comments in support of, of advanced biofuels. We pointed out that biodiesel and renewable diesel are advanced biofuels that are here right now and can make a big difference. USDA uh, is asking for input from the public on creating a rural renewable energy pilot program. Uh, where do you think this is headed? Do you think uh, they're going to really listen to what the people have to say in, in putting this together? You know, I think so. I hope so. I mean, I think they're they're sincere in reaching out and wanting to get ideas there. Of course, uh, they're 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 asking not only for on the energy side, but they're also asking for these climate smart policies that that uh, where agriculture can make a difference. And I know we're busily working within the American Soybean Association, talking to our board of directors, talking to our state affiliates, talking to soybean farmers to get their ideas and their input, which we want to provide that input by the end of the month to the to USDA. What did you think of the announcement on uh, more CFAP assistance uh, and reaching out to more producers that maybe were left out of the earlier programs, including biofuels? Uh, what did you think of that? We were not surprised. Uh, certainly, there's the, there are elements in there. You know, I, I think we have heard a lot from this administration that they wanted to reach to, out to some of the farmers that were maybe not your traditional farmers that participate in farm programs and uh, they wanted to try to reach out and include more of those um, you know the assistance for biofuel producers uh, you know we'll see what they end up doing there um, the, 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 the big part that I think USDA has to struggle with is that if you begin assisting processors of agriculture commodities, where do you draw the line? There's an awful lot of processors uh, out there, and does that chew up all the dollars that are available that otherwise would be going to producers? That's a concern that you know we had in the, in the past, and I think uh, still that, that risk remains. Steve, uh, you, you bring such an interesting perspective to these uh, issues because of your time at USDA and with the American Soybean Association. And not to uh, get ahead of ourselves too much, but it's not far away, the writing of the next farm bill. And given the way things are politically in this country today, and as difficult as some of the recent farm bills have been, uh, what are you anticipating it to be like in writing this next farm bill? Well, I think it will be. <laughs> it's it's going to be a very interesting process. I think uh, you will have, and, and we know that the agriculture committees really are not going to start uh, this year. They might hold an oversight hearing or two, but really that's going to begin in earnest next year. Um, but I think there's going to be those that want to target you know, any kind of agriculture support to, to uh, maybe small, non-traditional farmers. Um, but there'll be an awful lot of us that are also saying that we need to make sure that we have a safety net for the producers that are producing the bulk of the crops that are feeding and fueling uh, not only our country but the world. Um, 
we're not opposed to helping and making sure that we can get the small uh, producers and maybe some of those that have been disadvantaged in the past, but we have to also make sure that we have that safety net out there for everybody else. There are more voices and more people at the table each time a farm bill is written. And while that, uh, you know, makes it more inclusive in many ways it's because a lot of people are impacted by a farm bill, it also can make it more difficult to get your voice heard. I mean, you got everybody talking at the same time, it seems like, and trying to cut through that can be difficult. It can be. It can be. And, and, and obviously there's uh, always a limited pool of dollars that are available, and then you have have everyone at the table wanting to get their share of it. I do see one of the things that I do think we're going to see increased support for the conservation programs. Um, you know, that has pretty bipartisan support, uh, producers uh, uh, and farm groups support uh, conservation and conservation payments and some of the traditional programs like we've had in the past, uh, the conservation stewardship program, the environmental quality incentives program. Um, so I think you're going to see strong support for those those programs continuing and probably increasing in the next farm bill. Are you offering any input or do you in excuse me or do you anticipate offering any input when it comes to creating carbon markets, carbon banks and what approach they should take? Yes, we will be offering that. Uh, USDA has asked for that those comments by the end of April, uh, April 30th, and we are going to be putting putting in some some comments there. We do think that agriculture actually has a big role to play, and that includes going back to what you mentioned earlier, Mike. Is of course biofuels, uh, biodiesel uh, can play a big role, but also we think that uh, you know incentivizing and having farmers participate and getting paid for some of their conservation practices is a good thing but we need to make sure that we're building out those markets um, that we have the right data and the science to measure that and so that it's not a paperwork nightmare for the farmers either how long do you think that will take to build that out well it's it's coming fast um, you know I think it's going to be at, you know we're, we we'll see things here in the next year or two um, but I think there'll be a lot of steps over the next uh, uh, three to five years I think we're going to see some significant changes but uh, obviously we're headed in that direction though right I do think we are headed in that direction there's a lot of interest not only from producers of course they want to make sure and we want to make sure at the American Soybean Association, that producers are the primary beneficiaries, and it's not just the middlemen. Um, but you have a lot of companies that are out there that are want to that are interested in that for their own corporate sustainability uh, uh, reasons that want to incentivize and, and work with farmers. Yep, it's going to be some big issues ahead for sure. As always, Steve, good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. Take care. Great, love it, Mike. Thank you. Steve Sinsky, CEO of the American Soybean Association. Up next, we talk markets with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net here on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. 
The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to really cook. First, you can't tell it's done by how it looks. Use a food thermometer. Then, always stir, rotate the dish, and cover food when microwaving to prevent cold spots where bacteria can survive. Fast cooking should still be safe cooking. And bring sauces, soups, and gravies to a rolling boil when reheating. Even for the most experienced cooks, the improper heating and preparation of food means bacteria can survive. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. As a farmer, I want a cooperative that's there for me. Not the other way around. A local co-op that works for me and works with CHS. To connect me with local experts I know and trust. And put a global network of markets and supply at my fingertips. A co-op that's here to help us own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. One of the higher risk aspects of farming is crop protection application. With label changes, regulations, equipment maintenance, and drift management, it's a lot of risk. And a great way to manage it is to rely on your local FS and FS crop applicators. They constantly train to keep up with the latest label changes, regulations, and best practices. So your crop is protected and risks reduced. Contact your local FS to learn more about our custom application programs. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's next. 
Every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crop, cattle, equipment, technology, and more. They are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. We're joined now by Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Matt, thanks for joining us. Uh, tell us about field work in East Central Illinois. Is it picking up? Yeah, definitely picking up. Uh, we actually started this morning as well. We probably could have done something over the weekend, but we just decided we wait and uh, you know kind of let Easter get behind us and then uh, get after. It. So ground's working beautifully. I mean, definitely it's uh, not struggling with moisture like we have the last few years. So uh, it's pretty dry and it's working like a garden so far. So uh, the off to the races now and uh, kind of work until the next showers uh, move through. So uh, wish everyone a safe planting season. Let's all be careful. All right, Matt, uh, first time we've talked since uh, last week's uh, big planting intentions report and stocks report uh, that uh, caused so much uh, stir. What, what, what were your thoughts? Uh, were you surprised? Yes, I was surprised. Uh, going into the report, I was expecting a friendly report, but to be totally fair and honest about it, I thought that it would have more to do with stocks than it would acreage. I mean, given how profitable uh, producers could plan on being, not only uh, due to just the price on the board, but looking at your spring insurance uh, prices and what those guarantees would offer producers, you know, we felt like that the acreage would be a little bit stronger than what it was on both corn and beans. And so uh, when those numbers came out, obviously the trade uh, uh, bought those uh, strongly. You know, and we closed up the limit on both corn and beans. Yeah, for, uh, Thursday we gave a little bit back on the front months. But uh, uh, for the most part, uh, uh, there's no question when you're looking at new crop that there's still a lot of folks looking at these uh, acreage levels trying to plug them into their spreadsheets and finding out that there's just not enough acres right now. So I'm assuming at least one of those numbers is going to be wrong, probably both. But uh, which is most likely to change the most, the soybean number? You know, I think that, uh, you know, when you look at the bean number, you've got to think that uh, anybody who could possibly double crop beans is probably going to do so this year. I also feel like if uh, any wheat in the Western Corn Belt doesn't look good, you've got to think you know, that they're going to switch that into either corn or beans, uh, you know. So, I mean, obviously, if it looks great, yeah, go ahead and keep it going. But uh, I think that you'll pull some acres. And I know a lot of folks 
you know, including some of the guys we worked with at John Stewart and Associates. They they did a, a, a study and, and showed a video here this last week that was showing that maybe we can't pick up a ton of acres. I mean, cotton held on to acres. You know, Milo sorghum debate definitely uh, been a lot of demand there, and uh, your your Milo bid for fall is so strong in the Western Belt that you know a lot of producers are uh, are choosing Milo. But uh, you know, I guess whenever it gets right down to it, when profit margins are this high the acres usually show up. And, and I know this isn't real scientific, but my dad always used to tell me, he made our grain elevator for 40 years. He said whenever prices get excessively high, it has farmers do what he called stupid stuff. So, you know, whether that's tearing up a pasture, whether that's uh, maybe doing uh, aggressive spring tillage to try to go back to corn, I don't know what it is. But, you know, I've tried things like that before and it didn't work out so hot. I do think the acres will go up for both corn and beans you know, if these price levels continue to hold, I think the function of the market right now is to buy acres, and that's exactly what I think we're going to see happen. Well, we used to say, and still do in many cases, well, if you have good weather and, and early in the planting season, farmers like to plant corn, so they'll just keep on planting corn. But more and more we plant beans early now, so maybe it, it works that way too. If the weather's good, you just plant more beans. That's a great point, you know, and that's exactly what we're doing on our farm. We're going to start with beans, try to get as many of those socked in the ground as we can. It's supposed to be a potential for some weather here midweek, but, uh, you know, we're probably uh, going to do everything we can to not plant corn until we've got a, you know, uh, maybe a week uh, window of good dry weather ahead of us. But, uh, uh, you know, once people get started planting, uh, we know that sometimes it's hard to get them stopped. And so, as you're suggesting, you may see the reverse psychology happen from what we've always seen, where an early spring uh, means a lot more corn acres. So my gut feeling tells me that we're probably going to pick up a couple million acres uh, between corn and beans, and a lot of that's going to have to do with, you know, what this weather does. We can't discount the fact uh, that fertilizer prices have just uh, dramatically risen since last fall, Uh, and so that might kind of tilt these quote-unquote swing acres more in the favor of beans. So, you know, if we were going to pick up 2 million acres, I think more than a million of those go to beans. So what are you suggesting on uh, on marketing? Um, you know, got you got good prices now, but uh, the thought of even higher prices coming, especially if there's any kind of a weather scare at some point during the year, what these prices could do, uh, what's your approach? Cautious or what are you saying? You know, Mike, the first thing I want producers to do is to take these prices that they can get on their farm for fall delivery, plug them into their spreadsheet. Uh, They'll know what kind of profit margins they're potentially giving up if they do nothing. And so uh, we've got to figure out a marketing plan where we're doing something, we're doing nothing, and then, in my opinion, we have flexibility. So what I would recommend for a producer is to quantify your worst-case scenario uh, for both corn and beans uh, whether that's put a uh, put under the market, which I'm perfectly fine with, uh, you know, and then just kind of letting the upside run, or whether that's maybe uh, riding an HTA with your elevator, but going out and buying a call. I want to keep flexibility because I remember in 2012, uh, early in the growing season, we started getting uh, uh, the markets really took off and went higher, and it was hard for producers not to sell 40, 50 percent of the crop, 60 percent of their crop. But the bad thing was, in your part of the world and my part of the world, a lot of producers didn't raise but 30 or 40% of a crop. So you have to be super cautious that we don't uh, uh, do one of two things. We don't want to ignore a profitable market, but we also don't want to get way too far on one side that if we're wrong, 
it's going to strangle us. Well, there are options, and uh, fortunately, better options than we've seen in some time, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, there's so many things we can do with this market. And, you know, there's uh, really good ways to keep flexible, you know, and still be able to have uh, uh, the ability, you know, to, to, to go ahead and participate if this market takes off sharply higher. Now, Mike, I'll tell you what, we could go up two bucks on this bean market, so we don't want to ignore that. All right. It's going to be interesting. Good to talk with you, Matt. Stay safe. Have a good planting season. We'll stay in touch. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Ben. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. We wrap it up for today. Thank you for joining us. Hope you'll be back with us again tomorrow right here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.